So being deceived, you will it'll cost you wisdom. Because you won't look to the Lord, you won't study God's word, you won't learn from your lessons, you're not going to have the wisdom that you need. God wants us to have wisdom. Now, it also, number seven in your notes there, it causes a lack of stability. This is why in verse six through eight, he says, but let us ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So it produces instability. You see, being deceived, not understanding the value of things, making the wrong decisions, all these things are the result of your instability. God wants you to be stabilized. There's another way that in First Peter chapter 5, when he talks about casting all your cares upon the Lord, and he says, and the devil resists and so forth. He's like a lion a roaring lion, and whom resist steadfast in the faith. Steadfast. So you're stable, and you can handle a lot more pressure and problems as you go through life. While you're young, you'll struggle a lot more. But when you get a little bit older, we're supposed to have gained a little wisdom that when we don't have all the answers, we know just slow down, take it easy. I don't have to be smart enough to understand everything. And, well, I don't know that. I just trust the Lord with that. And sometimes we worry about everything. But notice, these things are important. Look at number 8. Number 8, look in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So when you're deceived, you're not going to endure the things you're supposed to endure because you're looking for a way out, not a way through. You're not looking to learn something from what God has brought into your life. You're looking for a cop-out. You know, you don't want to go through it, and you gripe and complain. Or you can face things the way God wants you to face things. When Jesus Christ was here, do you think he worried? I mean, he probably had some anxiety, don't you think, at times? You know, he just, you know, fell apart at times. He probably lost it at times. Now, he got angry a couple of times, but that was a righteous anger because of what they were doing in the Father's house. And so... There's nothing wrong with some righteous anger. We call it righteous indignation. But um, he does say here, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Because when he's tried. See, it's not if you're going to be tried. You will be tried. It's going to take place. It's going to happen. So look at number nine. It causes a loss of rewards. See, there's rewards that you could have had. But you see, if you don't think right and keep uh, your mind from being so deceived, well, then you're not going to serve the Lord the way you should. And if you don't serve the Lord the way you should, you're not going to endure the temptations, and you're not going to reap the rewards that God wants to give you. So the reward is here, and when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. But this man that he mentions here in uh, verse 7, for let not that man think... He shall receive anything of the Lord. Do you think this double-minded man is going to receive the crown of life? No. God's word says no. So it's talking about you receiving something. But look at the things that can keep you from receiving that which God has for you. And he says, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, being deceived can also cause you not to love the Lord the way you should. 
So you have to be careful. It's a battle you're going to have all the days of your life, but you understand it. You know there's values to all of this stuff. A lot of hardship that God brings into your life and allows to come. Look at the next statement. Number 10 causes you to yield to temptation. You're going to be tempted, but God doesn't tempt any man to sin. God is not the author of sin. God never does anything to lead you into unholiness. See, the Holy Spirit is a holy spirit, not an unholy spirit. The Holy Spirit can never lead you to do anything that's unholy. The Holy Spirit of God never can cause you to do anything that's not like God. So the Holy Spirit always leads you to do right. So if you're doing wrong, don't say, well, the Lord led me. No, he didn't. Lord never leads a child of God to do what's wrong. Now, the devil will, but remember, the desire for sin comes from within. And Satan knows that and tries to trap us. So you learn a little patience, and you don't have to experience what everybody else has done before you and watching traps and realizing, I don't have to have that happen to me. You watch the things that happens to people who rebel against the Lord, and you don't have to repeat it. Learn, and you'll be surprised. You'll be blessed, but it will help you. But verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, because he's going to be. I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. So that shows you that every child of God has an old sinful nature that's still within him, and it can draw you away. And so you begin to listen to the deceptions of that old man, thinking that the lust of the flesh is going to be worth whatever it's going to cost you in the spirit. It is not going to be worth it. He'll lie to you and deceive you. And you'll think it's not going to be that bad. No, it'll be a lot worse. There's a song they used to sing at Northside. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay and take you further than you want to go. Something like that. I forgot the words of it, but it's along that line. Then he says here in verse 15, For when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Because you've got the sinful desire then there's nothing wrong in having that sinful desire because that's part of your flesh. It's when you fulfill that desire. And that's why he says, when it bringeth forth sin, then it finishes, it bringeth forth death. It will separate you, death will separate, it will separate you from everything God wants to have for you. It's going to cost you so much. It destroys your Christian life. All because you allowed yourself to be deceived. Look in verse 16. Look at those first three words. Do not err. And are we talking to the lost men or are we talking to saved people? Do not err. This is to the Christian. So can the Christian sin? Evidently. Look there in chapter 2. Look in chapter 2. Now we know we're talking to the brethren because you see there in verse 1, my brethren, verse 1, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with the respect of persons. That means treating people differently for advantages or for some gain. Treat people the same regardless of what goes on. But he's come down here and he makes this statement. In verse 9, but if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. Is it possible for Christians then to commit sin? That's what he says. And then he relates it to, um, I guess you could say, the Old Testament, the law. 
And he says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and defend in one point, he's guilty of all. So if you sinned, it doesn't make any difference which one. The penalty is still the same. So here you are. He says, well, if you say don't do this and you don't do this, but you did this, you still broke the law. And there's still a penalty to be saved because you have a flesh nature. And so he says in the last part of verse 10, guilty of all guilty. Is it possible for a child of God to still do things that bring and produce guilt in his life? See, the guilt in your life is why you need 1 John 1, 9. It's not because God is guilty. God doesn't need forgiveness. He hadn't done anything wrong, but you did. Now, the payment has already been made. The sin has been forgiven, but you have the guilt. You didn't have that guilt before because you hadn't done the sin. But he's paid the penalty for all sin. But if you want peace of mind, you want joy, better you find a way to get rid of the guilt. And it's not by denying the guilt. It's by confessing, owning up to it, calling it what it is. This was wrong and this was sinful. So you confess your sins so that you can forgive yourself. Otherwise, that sin will destroy you and you'll be under such a burden. This is why it's been interesting sometimes when you talk to people and they trust Christ as their Savior. And they'll tell me, it's like a load has been lifted off my shoulders. Well, as a Christian, and when you sin against the Lord, it's like putting a load back on your shoulders as a Christian. You still need to get those off of you. And that's why 1 John 1, 9 is so important. But as you go down through here, there's many things that God tells us and gives us in here. Notice what he says in uh, note number 11, causes the wrath of man. The wrath of man. Look in verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. But now if you're deceived, you're not going to be able to fulfill this. This is why you will lose your cool. This is why you will be able to speak with wrath. And it's not going to be with love. And it's going to be, you know, everything that you're not supposed to do. It's just the opposite of what God wants. And so he makes a statement here in verse 20. Look in verse 20. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So being deceived, not thinking right, not being clear, causes you not to produce the righteousness of God. You'll produce the wickedness or the wrath of man. Because you, you, you have that old sinful nature. And if you don't think right, you can't control the old nature. And this is why you need to do that. Now, you'll notice in James chapter 1, verse 22, verse 22, it causes self-deception. See there in verse 22? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And here's those words. Underline this. Deceiving your own self. You'll deceive yourself. And the devil can take these college kids and lie to you and tell you you're wasting your life. You don't need to finish. You don't. How are you going to pay your school bill? You don't know how you're going to do this. You don't know how you're going to do that. You never amount to anything anyway. And you'd be surprised. You get to thinking and then you'll think, I quit. I'm out of here. And there's thousands that have done just that. I didn't come from a Bible college that there had been probably 10,000 people that attended. I often wonder where all those people are today, but a lot of them probably have fell along the wayside. Some of them have probably died and gone on to heaven. I saw a picture the other day that I didn't even know existed. And it was a picture of me and Hank Lindstrom and Ray Dukes at the camp over here. Greg Bissell had them, and he gave them to me, and 
I thought, my stars, I didn't even know these things existed. So anyway, I'm glad they got them. But I thought, there's three of us. Two of them are gone. Uh-oh. So you wonder, okay, well, why did God take this one or this one? And why did God leave you? Ooh, maybe he don't want me yet. And uh, so he wants a little peace and quiet up here for a while. And, and he'll come and get me. But um, he does make this statement here. Deceiving your own self. And how do you know you're deceived? Well, when you read the Bible and you think, well, I had my morning devotion. I had my quiet time with the Lord. And then you get up and you live your life and pay no attention to what it said. Deception. Knowing to do right and doeth it not, to him it is. Where's that verse found? Somewhere in the Bible, isn't it? Or maybe I just made it up. Maybe it's so let's Just turn to your right just a little bit to chapter 4. Look in chapter 4. Look in verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Well, if he knows what to do that is right, then why don't he do it? Something is deceiving him about the value of it. You see, there is the God of this world and there's the God of heaven. And they're both battling for the souls of man. And so if the devil can't get my soul, but he does want to destroy my life and yours. So go back there to James chapter 1. Notice in verse 24. This is on what it causes. It causes disobedience. Verse 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. See those three words? Goeth his way. Not God's way. He goes his way. I've had people tell me, so, well, Yankee, you serve God your way and I'll serve God my way. I didn't know I had a choice. I thought I either have to serve God his way or I don't serve God at all. We all have to serve God God's way according to his word. So if you serve God the way God wants you to and I serve God the way God wants me to, we ought to get along. Shouldn't we? Unless one of us is in the flesh. Right? Now, get it. What else he says here? In the uh, number 14 that I have down there, causes a lack of remembrance. You ever heard a phrase called, if you don't use it, you lose it? Well, look what he says here. Look in verse 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and immediately or straightway forgetteth. See that word forgetteth? In other words, you don't remember the things you're supposed to do because you have no intention of doing them anyway. This is why you can come to church and even come to college. But if you have no intentions of obeying the truth that you've learned, you'll forget the truth that you learned. You forget. You see, when you get deceived, you cannot keep your mind clear and you can't keep it sharp. There's a price to pay. Your memory is not going to be as good. It's amazing. Those who want to serve the Lord find it a little easier to memorize Scripture. But if you really don't want it to make a difference or change in life, it's so hard. I know it's hard. But with the Holy Spirit, can the Holy Spirit help you or not? I mean, it's His Word. When I got saved, I did not know one verse in the Bible. Not even Jesus wept. I didn't even know that verse. I didn't know it was in the Bible. I didn't know any verses. Ask me if I know any verses today. Do you know any verses today? A couple. I know a few verses now. 
But there was a time when I didn't. Well, what made the difference? I had to apply myself. God didn't cut a hole in my head and pour all the scripture in it. No, no, cap it. There you are. Well, that would have been neat. And I'm still learning the scriptures. But the more you use, the more you remember. Ray used to say, he says, it's like putting an indelible mark in your brain up there. And, you, and he tells us, when he tells a joke, tell a joke three or four times right away because it kind of gets in there deeper and you can remember it. Have you ever heard a good joke and you can't wait to get with somebody you want to tell them and you can't remember it? It's gone. And so it's like some bird flew over and took the seed away. That happens with the Word of God too. Number 15 causes a lack of blessings. Notice what it said. You see, if you don't do what God says to do, because you're deceived in the value of it, what's it going to cost you? Well, look what it says. In verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, he remembers, but a doer of the work, this man shall be what? This man shall be blessed. So there's a blessing upon those that will Yield to what God says do. But you're not going to yield if you deceive yourself. And thinking it's not that important. But it is important. All these things are important. I noticed there's one word that I was wondering. I wonder how I can explain that one word. Unspotted. See it's mentioned there in verse 27. Unspotted from the world. Keep himself unspotted from the world. Alright let me just give you a little simple definition. I put down on my paper causes the flesh to show in other words don't let your flesh show as a child of god you have two births right spirit flesh when i say don't let your flesh show i'm not talking about walking around as a spirit i'm talking about letting that old sinful man be magnified but look in the book of philippians in the book of philippians because of the not allowing or wanting or desiring the, the flesh to show, we have a responsibility to serve the Lord, putting him first and all these things. But notice what he says in verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you, my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind and let nothing be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man on his own thing but every man also on the things of others because all these things if you allow yourself to be deceived it means you're not going to be able to help a brother in the lord because you see you have a tendency of pulling people down to your level or bringing people up to your level. But if God wants you to go further, what kind of an influence are you going to have on other people? And so if we're supposed to love one another, forgive one another, blah, blah, blah. You see, when you become deceived, you won't forgive like you're supposed to forgive. You won't walk like you're supposed to walk. You won't talk like you're supposed to talk. You're not going to influence other people the way you're supposed to influence other people. I had the... Um, Quentin Road Bible Baptist Church, uh, they sent me a, a link to a, I guess you could say, a ceremonial graduation for Dr. Scudder. 
you know, because he's no longer going to be in the ministry up there in place of the leadership. So they did a great big celebration for him. It was awesome. I mean, awesome. So they had people come in from everywhere. And uh, it was very moving. And it took it all the way back to when he was born and got started and with his dad and trusting the Lord, University of Kentucky and going to Bible college. And then him and his wife set out to go to Chicago. And it's tremendous. And then there's a girl that came on and she sung a song. Let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes. And that's the song that Mike Otto had wrote years ago when he was, I don't know, 18 years old, 19 years old, living in our dorm and didn't think much about it at the time because he wrote a bunch of songs. He wrote some good songs. But no song did he ever write like this song. It was just a beautiful song. And he would write a, a line or two and he'd come out and he'd play it on the guitar. He said, how's that sound? I said, that sounds great. He'd go back in and I'd go back to studying. I didn't know that he was writing a classic. I don't think he did either. I don't think he knew how many people were going to be influenced by that song that he wrote that day. Because it wasn't something big and grandeur and all that. He just was in there picking on the guitar and writing it and coming out and playing it for me. I got to hear it before anybody. But, you know, I never heard him do the whole song. Then. He was just doing parts of it. And, and then he, they sung the song. And when people heard that song, looking through his eyes, if I could see this world the way you see, I just know I'd serve God more faithfully. And it's hard not to get teary-eyed just watching that. And so over the years, I've had times when I've kind of like, I'd lose a little bit of a vision, you know, wondering whether or not, is all this worth it? You know, the devil's working on my mind, too, trying to deceive me. And, of course, he always wants you to get you to quit, become so down and discouraged and so on. Wondering whether or not all the sacrifice and everything that you make is worth it. Does anybody really care, you know? And so I hear that song, and I keep looking at this world through his eyes and realize i got to keep looking this way. And so they had this girl that sung the song up there for this special meeting. And she has one of the prettiest voices I think I've ever heard. And they had an orchestra do this special music. And buddy, I mean, it was all the instruments. It was everything, it was just gorgeous. And then she, they had the choir, a full choir, probably must've been 80 uh, people in the choir, I guess. And they were singing parts of it as along. And she sung that song, looking through his eyes. And I could not watch that without tears in my eyes. And I listened to it, and I'd cry a little bit, and I'd watch it again. I didn't watch it three times. That's just today. He probably never had a clue that 40-something years ago, sitting in a little old dorm room, sitting there writing a song, it would ever have made the impact that it's made. And you could see people all over the audience the people in the choir, the impact that song has made over the years. And Mike was just a young kid, just wrote him a song. And now it is one awesome song. You can't help but just love it. But see, you don't know down the road what you can have or do if you just stay faithful. Just don't quit too soon. 
We shall reap in due season. We shall reap if we, if we what? If we faint not. It means you don't quit. Now, is the devil real? Is he after you? Does he interject thoughts into your mind? Nobody loves you. Nobody appreciates you. Get real down and get real low so you can feel sorry for yourself. And that's what the devil wants you to do because he wants you to quit. But you're going to rise up. You're not going to let that happen to you. You're going to look the devil in the face. You're a child of the king. Look who you are. Look who you serve. And you're going to do something about it. You're going to keep your eyes focused and stay looking at the Lord. Don't let the devil deceive you. Look at the word. Believe the word. God will bless you for it. And in case we have somebody watching tonight, let this hand represent you and me. And this wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God loves us. He hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. So God says you cannot save yourself. There's only one way to be saved. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God's Son. He came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he'd rather die than live without us because there is no other way. He has to die. So he died, paid for the sins, and came back from the dead and says, whosoever will believe that I did that for them. He'll put this payment to your account. You get to go to heaven on what he did. The reason I'm going to heaven is because I don't have any sins to pay for. He paid for all of my sins. That's the best news in the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen it says, Yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so, would you do it right now? And if you trust Christ right now as your Savior, He'll give you right now eternal life as a free gift. And I pray that you'll do that. The rest of you in the room... I know most of you. I think I know all of you. The devil is going to do everything he can to deceive you. And even you have within yourself the ability to deceive yourself. And you can also deceive other people. So you know that you can be influenced by someone else. Keep yourself dedicated to the Lord. Keep yourself close to the Lord. Love the Word of God. Believe what you believe because the word of God is powerful in your life. Father, we thank you again for all you've done for us. Help each one of us to seek to be faithful because we know you love us. You want the best for us. And Father, we want a good, clear mind. We want to be stabilized. And we want to have joy. And we want to have patience. We want to have wisdom. We want to endure. And we want to mature. Bless each one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.